Hi, I'm Dave Baker. This is It's Pronounced Zine. Today, my guest is Sandra Markarian of Bogus Press. Today, we're going to talk about her zines. We're going to talk about the X-Files and Scientology. This conversation kind of went all over the place. Uh, Also, there's a little bit of Trump talk, too. Sorry about that. But it's kind of on everyone's minds right now. All right, let's do this. Here comes Dave Baker with the show Talking about paper publications you should know Authors and photographers that are fresh on the scene Don't be getting twisted Twisted It's pronounced zing Zing, zing, zing 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 usually pretty impromptu Like, uh, I almost said improv heavy. They're not improv heavy. It's a conversation. I, I can talk. <laughs> <laughs> They're usually just pretty laid back, and uh, we just talk about, you know, uh, creative process stuff. How you started making shit. Cool. All that good stuff. Um, well, don't ruin the uh, the spur of the moment by preparing me too much. Oh, I'm not. This is the intro. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, maybe you want to introduce yourself and say what you make. Yeah, uh, my name's Sandra. I guess I should say my last name, too, if you want to. My name's Sandra Markarian. Um, I make mostly autobiographical comics and kind of artsy-fartsy, cartoony zines. I love it. Uh, how did you... from my diary, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> how did you... You started making zines and comics. Um, I've always been making comics. I just never really published anything because of, like... Ego problems. Mm, um, mm. So tell I did me, a tell lot. Tell me about of, the ego problems. Tell, I, can, I mean, I'm sure it seems like you know about the. Ego oh problems. yeah, of course. <laughs> Everybody who who makes anything knows about the ego uh, problems. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like growing up. Elementary school, I made comics for the school newspaper. I made comics out on the playground. I do cartoons of the teachers. Like I've been making comics since I could draw, basically. But. Um, I would only occasionally show them to people, and it was always just kind of like from my friends, like, mm-hmm. look at this little joke I made, um, until I heard about Zine Fest, LA Zine Fest. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what year it was. It was, I think, the second year they were doing it, um, and I was like, that sounds really cool. I, wanna, I would like I wanna, to go to that. I would like to go to that. And then I was like, I want to go to that, but I don't want to go without my own zine because that seems weird. Mm. So maybe I should just make something really fast and just bring a bunch of copies and I can trade with people or I can just have something to give out, something like that. And I'd been doodling the word bogus a lot. <laughs> Yes. Because I'm a huge fan of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and I think I was like, I like to like doodle while I watch movies, so mm-hmm. I was watching that one day and, uh, and doodling and just, just kind of kept doodling that. So I went home and I was like, I'm going to make the bogus zine. And it was just <laughs> the word bogus, like, put into a bunch of weird drawings a bunch of different times. And I was like, cool. And then I was like, I feel like I need some text to spice it up <laughs> because... Otherwise, there's not really enough content, but I, did it, I didn't have anything I was working on or writing, so I was like, I'll just pull stuff from my diary. So I just I pulled it. stuff from my diary, threw it together in an afternoon, brought it to Zine Fest. Two people bought it. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Anthony Elton was one of them, so I feel like, you know, oh. you know one of two people. Rest in so, peace, you good-hearted angel. Yeah, he was a sweetie. Um, 
Wait, so you didn't have a table, though? You were just wandering No, around. I just... And actually, like, the line to get in was so long that I just started walking up and down the line being like, anybody want to buy my zine for a buck? Fuck yeah, you did. And two people did, but... Did you um, know who Anton Yeltsin was, or was it just, like, rando dude? Yeah, well, he was there doing... Selling his own... Well, he wasn't selling his zine. He was... He was giving out and trading his own zine. He had a weird photography zine that he did where he would just, like, go around L.A. at night and take pictures of, like, crazy stuff. It was really How cool. did I not know that Anton Yelchin did not have a zine? He didn't, like, talk about it a lot. Damn. <laughs> it was, it was just, awesome. like, his weird photography project. The trunk of his car was full of all the... It was, like, bags of undeveloped rolls of film. He shot everything on film. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of weird masks. Hmm. And he would he would take pictures of girls with the masks on, like naked or topless, and this is amazing. People would put on the masks and do weird shit. I love this. Yeah, it was a cool scene. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, did you make a lot of connections and friends in that initial Zine Fest? Like, was that um, like the? And now I'm part of the Zine scene here in LA. It felt like I had broken through some kind of personal boundary that I'd put up for my, like a brick wall that I built around myself and my own creativity. And I was like, oh my God, I can make stuff and just show it to people and it's okay. And Mm -hmm. actually people kind of want to read it. And And who cares if it's perfect? They don't know. They don't, they don't know. Like they don't know how well I can draw or, you know, if this isn't the way it's supposed to look, they don't care. And people liked reading pieces of my diary and I was like really okay I'll show you my diary like dope I've been just reading it to myself all these years but if you want to know I'm into that it was super cathartic um you know I was in my like mid-20s so I was going through a lot of emotional turmoil and being able to to put it out there kind of as a joke was like really nice and felt good and made me be like oh I can laugh at myself it's okay you know so well uh also, I realized I don't think you've said your name. I did, but it's, you did. It's Sandra. Oh, okay. Sandra. Never mind. I didn't. I didn't know if you said it on air. If you said it to me before, I'm uh, sorry. I said it into the mic. I'm assuming the mic has been on the whole time. All right. Time. Word. Good. Sandra Markarian. Yeah. Fuck me <laughs> and my shitty attention skills. That's okay. Um. So, how? What was the like length of time after? Um. You so you go to Zine Fest. You make your first zine. And then what, was it a, a gap in between that and the next one? Or were you like, fuck it, I'm going to make 12! I mean, it it definitely felt like I was like, I'm just going to make zines forever. Um, I ended up, I think right after that was when I was like, okay, I'll take all these cartoons I've been doing and drawings I've been doing the last couple of months and I'll put together like an actual nice scene that I can do. Mm. Um, and I worked on that for a while and it was just a collection of kind of like, Women stuff, like, um, how do I feel as a lady in my body and dating stuff and um, just a lot of self-deprecating humor and mm-hmm. um, personal stories, lots of stories of my dating life. And um, I put that together into a, a larger book. Uh, but then I also at the same time started working on, like, Bogus Number 2, which is always kind of like... The lighter, irreverent, just like, I need to get some poison out. I'm going to just pick some quotes from my diary that sound ridiculous, mm-hmm. and I can laugh at myself and be like, okay. And then I would just put weird drawings to go with them. And so I always brought, like, a new issue of the Bogus Zine to Zine Fest with kind of my more serious 
comics with it and comics with a kept, capital C. Exactly. It kept kept going with that for a few years. So mm. um, yeah. and then I think by by the next year the next the next fest I did was the Alternative Press Expo in San Francisco. Oh, and that okay. I think is in like October. Mm-hmm. And LA Zine Fest is in like February? It used to be in March. This year it's in May, I think. Okay. Yeah. So I did the Alternative Press Expo, and then I ended up doing ZineFest their third year. That mm. was the first year I tabled there. Was uh, was Ape a positive experience? I loved it. I had been going to Ape since I was a teenager. Um, my older sister went to school in Berkeley, and I would go up and visit her, and we'd go together because we both loved comics. And it was like, it's like, oh, my God, I met Daniel Klaus. It was like a big deal, you know, <laughs> when I was like... 13 years old, I met um, Jordan Vasquez, and it was like, ah, like, panicky, like, <laughs> of course, you know, yeah. goth teenager, just, like, yeah. freaking out. So I I always loved that scene. I always imagined myself tabling at something like that. Um, over the years, that particular one has gotten kind of... Terrible is the answer It's not, no, it's not terrible. Uh, I did it this year. It's terrible. Did it get terrible? It's awful, and it breaks my heart. It, it definitely took a turn away from just independent publishing and more towards, like, artists who sell fan art, which is great, and it's its own scene, and I support them, but honestly, I think maybe part of the reason that happened is just there's so many other little zine fests and things going on that there's a home for those people now, where there wasn't before. There was no San Francisco Zine Fest, you know, back in... 2001. Yeah. So that was just where all the artists went. But I had a really good time because I was looking around being like, everyone's art is so different from mine. You know, I, I do like black and white cartoons. It's really DIY. I, I don't even like scan my stuff. Mm. It's just me and the copier. It looks kind of ratchet, but I love it. Mm-hmm. And because the table I was at and I was sharing a table with my friend who also does just a lot of hand drawing, she sells a lot of original art. Our stuff looked really different than everyone else's, so a lot of people were drawn to it, because Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, here's a Darth Vader thing, here's another Darth (laughs) Vader thing, here's a Darth Vader that looks like you know, a Mexican skull, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. oh, and here's two chicks who are doing something really weird and different, and so I ended up connecting with a lot of artists who are more like that, who had something that was really different than what all the other stuff looked like. And it was kind of nice, because we stuck out, so people were interested, and um, I just, yeah, I had a great time there. I mean, it's it's a more expensive place to table, but it was worth it, and it was a whole weekend, and I don't know. Maybe it's, that was a few years ago, maybe it's gotten even worse, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, it definitely <laughs> has, because uh, Dan Vado the guy who mm-hmm. originally owned it and then sold it to Comic-Con and yeah. then bought it back. Um, I don't know what his deal is, but he just doesn't give any fucks anymore. Like, wow. they, he doesn't, they don't screen. So it's just, like, open enrollment. Just, like, you pay yeah. the table and Wait, you Wait, they don't one. screen at all? At all. So this they last They were year, screening, I had, there was a whole application yeah, when I yeah, did Yeah, there, there, there used to be. And there's yeah. an application now, but they don't screen. So this year it was a guy who made exclusively Doctor Who prints Someone who who made like Dia de los Muertos candles, yeah. and then us. That was like the the little row, and it was like, what is? Why are these candle people here? That that was what a, is this? There was a lot of that when I was there too, but Ugh. there were also an amount of people. And if there more were like people, me, yeah. I would if if the, honestly, if there were attendees, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. But this last year, it was 
like a ghost town. Really? It was so sad. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah, it breaks my heart because that show used to be so good. It was great. And honestly, even if it is a little bit more mainstreamed and there's people selling fucking Boba Fett helmets or whatever, mm-hmm. who cares as long as there's fucking humans there. Yeah. And there's no reason why Ape shouldn't be the West Coast version of Small Press Expo. Right. Like... Well, it used to be. Cool. It used, it it used absolutely to be used really, to be. really cool. It used to be fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I would drive agree. up for it. Well, I wouldn't drive because I was 13, but... Sure, you would go with yeah. someone. Yeah. yeah. Every year, it was great. I loved it. I, uh, I'm i waiting to see what's going to be the West Coast equivalent. Because right now, there's not... Yeah, well, there's so many smaller things going on. I mean, mm-hmm. even just up north, it's like you have the SF Zine Fest, you have the Berkeley Zine Fest, you have mm-hmm. the Oakland Zine Fest, you mm-hmm. have... The East Bay Zoom. Like, there's just a million yeah. things. So, they're taking care of it, but there isn't, like, a big... No, there's really not. There's not a big one. I hope that... Um, I feel like Portland... The Portland Zine Symposium is yeah. really cool. Um, but... Um, the Portland Zine Symposium is really cool. And then there's also some... There's other shows that are good. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I know a lot of people were super surprised by... Um, San Fernando Valley? No. One of the shows, not San Francisco Comic Con, which I did and was mm-hmm. decent, but another show, um, Silicon Valley Comic Con. Mm. A lot of people were really? like, this is great, which I was like, what? That's cool. Yeah, sure. It's, I, they, my friends who tabled there were like, people showed up and they had money and it was wow. great and everybody wanted to buy shit and that's fucking amazing. But on paper, that shit looks suspect as fuck because it's right. like, Steve right. Wozniak and Michael J. Fox and, like, a bunch of other people that are, like, have no connection to comics. And it's That's like, so okay, yeah. all right. But apparently it went swimmingly. Yeah. Um, well, there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of stuff going on where it's, like, a mix of kind of independent self-publishing artists and also, like, big names in independent and underground comics. Absolutely. There's a lot of stuff like that, you know, on the other side of the country. Yeah. But, um... It's basically what, like TCAF and uh, Small Press Expo? Mm-hmm. Those are like the big two. Yeah. Um, have you ever tabled at um, Small Press Expo? No. It was super fun. I bet. It was, I kind of can't believe that it happened. <laughs> like, it was one of those, like, I feel like I've won the lottery. Oh. Like, like it, 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 was, it was like going to Mecca. Like, everybody that I gave a shit about. In terms of yeah. like being a creator and as publishers and all of that shit was there. And the weird part was like I'm not famous. I'm not a human with a capital H. Mm-hmm. But all of my like creative idols, who again I probably have fairly low standards in terms of like I'm obsessed with Michelle Fife and Jim Rugg sure. and Ed Pisker and Sophie Campbell. Like th- that level of human is mm-hmm. like my those are like the demigods to me. Where most people are like, mm, yeah, all right, but like Jim Lee though, I'm like, I don't. That's fine, whatever. He can whatever. be over the corner. Um, but they all like knew who I was, which is really weird. Wow, like that's awesome. It was amazing. Like Ed Pisker was at the table, and I don't mean this in terms of like gloating or anything. It was a bizarre experience. He was at the table and he picked up my book, Action Hospital, and was like, "Oh, you, you guys finally got it out. This is crazy. I've been seeing you guys make this online for like three years." Because it took us, like, four and a half years yeah. to make the book. Because it's huge. It's, like, 250 pages. And it was like, Ed, Ed Pisker fucking knows who the shit I am? What is this? Well, that's what's so amazing is that the whole the whole 
comic scene, like, people give a shit. Yeah, right? People really actually give a shit and want to know and want to read the stuff and want to meet the people and do the research and be online and, you know. And interact with what seem like cool people. Yeah. Like, which is kind of a double-edged sword because sometimes you're obsessed with someone's work and then you, like, become followers, friends, whatever, with them online and you're like, oh, you kind of... Oh, you know what? Like the ratio of cool people to assholes in the comic scene is so much better than like most other scenes. I would out agree. There. I would agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, wholeheartedly. Yeah, especially just for the fact that like it's hard to find real assholes who sit and draw all day long. Yes. That being said, though, I think that it's easy to find someone who's extremely idiosyncratic and you could perceive them as being an asshole. That's true. But if you meet somebody on their level where it's like, oh, your social skills might be a little rough yeah. around the edges, but you mean well. Yeah, maybe I'm just more forgiving of, like, bad social skills than <laughs> just I, being a that's, jerk. That's, yeah. that's, that's a, a positive quality that will take you far in life. <laughs> yeah, well, you I hope. have to be when you're yeah. an illustrator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, did you, are and you, a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> are you uh, formally trained as an artist, or did you kind of... Um, not really. I I got pretty into um, literature and linguistics when I was in school, and I got my master's in that, but I've been taking art I love classes. that you just like, spew it out just kind of casually. Yeah, I have a master's. No bigs. It's I fine. Wish, I wish I could say that I used it, um, or that I, yeah, or that I got my degree in something that was more applicable to what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I feel like a linguistics degree would be extremely applicable to something to a medium that involves the written word. Does it uh, not? I mean... No? Kinda, okay. Uh, fuck, fuck me. Like, I don't know what I'm talking like, about. I don't know. I mean, I f- sometimes, but usually... Fair no. enough. Does that mean... The that stuff you- I was studying was so like esoteric and specific that it never applies to the real world. Oh, okay. I, I hope that means that you, like, are one of those um, idiosyncratic people who kind of, like, you make, like, uh, Tolkien languages for fun and shit. Yeah, that's basically what oh, I was doing. Yes. It's the kind of thing where my sister was like, I heard that the uh, that that movie Arrival focused heavily on a linguist, so you should check it out so that you can, you know, debunk it. And I was yeah. like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Totes on my list to do now. Didn't see the movie. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it, but I am not a linguist, it's, so I... I mean... I heard it was good. Yeah, I, I like Denis Valenview a lot. I think cool. that dude is, he's all right. What else did he do? Uh, he directed Prisoners and Enemy and Sicario and a couple French-Canadian movies. Well, which I didn't I see any seen. of those. Um, if you want to be depressed about life, mm-hmm. Prisoners will fuck you up. Cool. It's about a family whose uh, child gets kidnapped on Thanksgiving and then the father, two of the fathers are convinced... Uh, a father and his next-door neighbor are convinced that a young mentally handicapped boy that lives in the neighborhood did it, and they kidnap him and torture him in an attempt to find their lost child, or his one of the so father's do, lost child. So, do they release it, like, on Thanksgiving, like, a family, a family <laughs> yeah, yeah. for everyone? Yeah, and the trailers were super misleading, and it's like, <laughs> <prisoners>. <laughs> And it's, it's like a, a talking turkey is, like, the mascot for the movie. Oh, the I, turkey's the prisoner. The turkey's yeah. the prisoner! Oh, God, I wish that had been the case. Um, wow, that sounds pretty heavy, that but movie's, I like heavy stuff. I do, too, and that movie's fucking amazing. Like, it's... Again, not an uplifting film, but one that's like, oh, this is what it's like to be human. Right. Hopefully, 
that's not everyone's experience with being human. Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah. But uh, I feel like, in some ways, there's part there's part of me that's like, it's our duty as humans to see this stuff like this because it's so yeah. easy to avoid like weighty subjects in terms of you can just like sit on YouTube and watch PewDiePie or whatever. That's true. Um, yeah. I try to pick and choose because some movies I, I like to revel in like how dark and depressing they are. I think I like the movies that are more just about like there's a darkness in my soul mm. and I want to talk about it. Mm. Um, like I was just lamenting with someone today being like, I really got to watch more Fassbender movies. <laughs> like, like he's depressing in a way I can really get down with because like there's yeah. not war and murder, but there's a lot of just people feeling bad. And I just really <laughs> like that. Um, yeah. It's hard for me to watch war movie. Like, I had a hard mm-hmm. time watching Rogue One. Mm. Like, a really hard time. We were just talking about that when, when you came in. It really yeah. scared the shit out of me. Really? Interesting. I have a lot of nuclear anxiety. Oh, well, it's like, cool. Oh, Our new president movie's about totally the atom gonna... bomb. Dope. Yeah. And, like, yeah, coming off, like, or heading towards the inauguration, I was just like, maybe this is not the right movie for me to watch right now. It's weird how that movie is so apocryphal, though, isn't it? Yeah. Like, that movie feels like it was specifically made about the Trump presidency. Well, it's so interesting because I talked with, um, uh, I'm babysitting for nine-year-old girls right now, and their dad, I, I had a conversation with both them and him about the movie separately, and they were like, it was fun, I guess. It was, one of them was like, it was boring, and I was like, really? Um, I told their dad it scared me because I thought it was too real. Mm-hmm. I was like, that mm-hmm. scene with, um, with the stormtroopers on the tank in that city, Fuck yeah. and then... It's like the city just gets leveled. And I was like, I saw that on the news the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said to him, you know, it, it's also really, it's it's troubling and scary thinking about the older Star Wars movies and how in the last, you know, 40 years, like, nothing has changed with the political allegory. Mm-hmm. It's the same. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, you get used to that when you get older. Mm. Everything just is kind of the same. Mm. I was just like, oh. So, I mean, like, yeah, it feels timely, mm-hmm. but it's, it's always going to be timely because it's always the same struggle happening so- somewhere in the world. Abs- you know? Absolutely. Like, I absolutely agree. And that's also, that was like you just said, that was like part of the express purpose of the original. Exactly. A New Hope yeah. Movie, or yeah. Star Wars. Um, yeah. It was absolutely like they, I mean, even, I'm sure you know this, he even like took Lenny Riffenstahl's stills and like mm-hmm. used those as like, and this is how we're going to organize the stormtroopers. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. and it's just like, oh, I guess getting older just means like, yeah, you just see the same things happen. The over terrifying over thing again. about that is how, and we don't have to spend this entire time. <laughs> talking about let's this. Let's get into it. But no, but the terrifying thing just for this, quickly, hey, this is the last night of Obama's presidency. Let's get into it. Let's party. <laughs> and by party, I mean have really depressing conversations yeah. about how a hundred years ago, the world was basically going through this exact same thing, except now we're the bad guys. Yeah. I mean, not that we were great a hundred years ago either, but. No. Like most governments are yeah. pretty shitty. Yeah. Yeah, they, they are. Yeah. I agree. Um. I had a really intense conversation with my friend last night. Uh, she's a Russian immigrant, and um, she was saying how the wave of anti-Russian sentiment is really hard for her to get behind. It's terrible. I mean, it's, it is terrible, absolutely. That being said, I don't know if Putin deserves any, like, rah-rah system. No, P- he's going to be Putin's okay. A, Putin's a maniac, but... yeah. 
the Russian people are lovely. Absolutely. And I think that there's it's that weird thing that happened after 9-11, too, where it's like, yeah, Al-Qaeda's the devil. So let's shoot this Sikh in the back of the head in yeah, a 7-Eleven. Like, what does that have to do with anything? It's awful, but I mean, like, that's, that's, that's just how it's been forever. Yeah. You know? I don't like, know if that's an excuse, though. No, no it's not an excuse. Yeah. It's awful. I hate it. Um, I mean, God, yeah. I mean, how do, I don't even really want to get into it. Yeah, like, let's... I, it's so depressing. But it's, so it's going to be us, too. People are going to start hating Americans for the if, awful yeah, shit that we're doing. I mean, if they already don't. Yeah, I mean, well, we, a lot of people already do. <laughs> yeah, and rightfully so, yeah. because we, like, for the last 30 years have run the world. Like, we've toppled yeah, dictatorships. Like into the ground. <laughs> yeah, toppled, toppled dictatorships, put up military installations in mm-hmm. countries that are supposedly sovereign, bombed countries that we don't have military installations in with unguided robo-planes. Mm-hmm. Which is, it sounds like a fucking science fiction movie. Yeah. It's insane. It's awful. All right, let's talk about fun stuff. Let's talk about <laughs> stuff that's not... You sure you don't want to talk about, like, the horrors of globalization anymore? <sighs> but even if globalization... That's, that's what's even... No, because it's not globalization that's the problem in this... In this. I think it's one of the problems. It, yes. Well, I, it's, I, I'm glo- sorry. I was global, to... global capitalism Absolutely, global capitalism. I was saying more, it's the anti-globalization sentiment that's getting us into the quagmire that we're, we're about to be in. Oh, because sure. we're so exclusionist and xenophobic right now under yeah. Cheeto, pumpkinhead, basketball face. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is crazy. Like, I don't know if you've been following the, the Davos uh, summit that's been happening, but the president of um, Japan, or not Japan, why did I say Japan? China, uh, was talking about how... Basically, he's like, uh, in coded speech, America's fucking up. Uh, we're going to be here to trade with all of you guys when they become really shitty and don't want to, you know, trade with anybody and promote global prosperity, quote unquote, mm-hmm. global mm-hmm. prosperity. Um, and it was weird when th- someone from a communist country is like, yeah, Global trade, this is going to be dope, guys. We're all going to oh, hang out. China is super fascinating. I mean, they have this really, really intense communist history, but they're so entrenched in this capitalist global economy, and they're really good at it. Mm-hmm. And they like, have enough China's people. China's a powerhouse. Yeah, and they have enough people to, like, fuck any system imaginable. So if there's something yeah. that they want to dismantle, in terms of extra China... Um, you know, economic functionality or mm-hmm. whatever. They can just be like, oh, yeah, you don't like the way your dog collars are produced? We've never made dog collars before, but fuck it. We've got enough people. We can figure it out. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's super crazy. Let's talk about art. Okay. And zines. Cool. And comics. Okay. Let's bring it back. <laughs> Mostly, Take a deep breath. Have some water. I know, right? Um, China! <laughs> ah, we're so fucked. Um... Uh, talk to me about uh, your creative influences. Who who were the people that you got really excited about and made you want to make stuff, or who who were the people that are now making you want to make stuff? Um, I'd say that my biggest influences, like just in terms of the type of comics that I make, are Ariel Shrag and Julie Doucet. Okay, because both of their stuff is like really, really deeply personal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has a levity and a humor to it, and they both have a really nice cartoonish style that I like. Mm. Um, Ariel Schreig is great because she she puts 
her process like into the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you know her? Mm-mm. Okay, so she um, she she wrote all of her comics when she was in high school. She did one her sophomore year, one her junior year, Seniors. and Miss Freshman, Freshman, Sophomore. Junior and senior year. Okay. Um, she would write them during the year. It was about what was going on that year in her life. Mm-hmm. And then she would ink it over the summer. Mm. Um, the last one she did, her senior year one, she wrote during senior year. And it took her 10 years to finish it. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a big deal to me when the last one came out yeah. a few years ago. How long are they? Um, the last one she did is the longest. I want to say it's a couple hundred pages, okay. but but the others are shorter. Okay. Um, and I hope the title of the last one is just like "fuck senior year." <laughs> no, but that's like a lot. Actually, it it's it's interesting. Well, uh, going back to what I was saying about she writes about her process a lot. The last one is, yeah, her dealing with senior year, but also her dealing with trying to emotionally process and write the previous book that she wrote. Mm. So the previous book talks a lot about her relationship with her ex-girlfriend. And so in her in her last book, a lot of it is like, you know, she's sending pages to the ex and the ex is being like, I don't like this. Like, this mm. is too much. Or like, don't put that in. Or You drew my um, head wrong. In this, yeah, yeah, well, there's there's a part where like she comes back to town to visit, and and Eris Dragon's like, I, you know, I need to take some pictures of you for these poses for the book, and she just like really doesn't want to do it, and she's freaking out because she's like, how am I gonna make this book if you won't take these photos for me? I'm not gonna be able to draw you. It's gonna be a disaster. Um, and I just really like I I really love and connected with the way she talked about her artistic process, just from this emotional perspective and dealing with growing up and it, it's it's so interesting because it's such a specific topic you know this like 15 year old lesbian writing about high school mm-hmm. but there's something so fascinating and that everyone is just able to connect to with her work um, she published a letter in one of her she one of her books from a guy is like a 50-year-old black dude in prison who wrote to her being like, I loved your book. Like, <laughs> just it's like, amazing. It's amazing. I loved it. So personal, so great. I really connected with a lot of the stuff you were saying. And she was like, wow. <laughs> so, so dope. And that that's what I love about personal comics is that even if you're, you're like, oh, well, I'm just, you know, this chick in L.A., like, no one wants to read about me. Like, people do, though. Like, I want to read about other people's lives. That's what I'm into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So she was super influential. I, I was like really into her. Um, and Julie Dussay is just like, partially her art I'm just obsessed with. Um, she just packs a lot into a panel. It's just covered in ink. Um, and she'll she'll draw her apartment, you know, and she'll draw every little piece of trash that's on the floor and her comics are also just really really personal she 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 has a book my new york diary that's just about like her moving to new york to move in with her super shady boyfriend and how their relationship <laughs> collapsed and um she has a lot of comics about where she just draws out crazy dreams she's had and i think that's really fun and wonderful and i don't know yeah when 
when you sit down to make a comic, do you think of yourself like as the writer first or the artist first, or do you write a script, or is it kind of all just organic and comes out? Um, I've never written a script. I've done little thumbnail drawings where I kind of write out the dialogue with facial expressions. Mm-hmm. That's usually what's going on if I'm planning it out at all. Mm-hmm. Sometimes <clears throat> I just sit down and it comes out. The longer stuff I do, I usually just, yeah, little thumbnail drawings with dialogue, and then I'll maybe move stuff around. Or, But I also, you know, I've never written anything longer than four pages mm-hmm. of comics, so were I to do something longer, maybe I would write a script. <laughs> Not there yet, though. <laughs> Is that something that's interesting? Or interested? Oh, my God, I can't speak! Is that something that you're interested in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd, li- I'd like to write a full novel, but... It's hard for me to get through the personal barrier of just, like, is any story of mine interesting enough to fill 200 pages, you know? Mm -hmm. Am I going to devote that much time and that much energy to one particular story? Um, It's just a big block that I have. It's easy for me to to justify sitting down and doing one panel or a page. Because I'm like, it's done, and there it is. And if it sucks, no big deal. Yeah. It's not seven months of my life or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Or years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any specific goals for your comic stuff going forward? I mean, that sounds like maybe one of them. That's a good question. Um, I mean, it could be as, just as simple as craft. Like this. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's been a goal of mine for a long time. I tend to, like, move around styles a lot. I get... I get impatient and antsy, and I, I switch it up, and I like to explore different things. Like, sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to use brushes, and then I'm like, wait, I want to use a quill pen. Wait, I'm just going to do pencil. Um, and so I end up, all of my comics have just a really different look to them, mm-hmm. because I kind of can't decide, and I want to try it all. And it can be nice mm-hmm. to get a lot of different styles out there, but I'd like to be able to to make something where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stick to one style and really just commit to it and see how that goes. Do you feel like that would free up an area of your brain to do something else? I don't know. Mm. I don't know what would happen. Do you feel like the actual way in which you make marks changes by whatever the tool that you're using is? I feel like the style changes depending on what, like the topic that I'm oh, writing okay. about. Yeah, so if you're doing a more serious subject the the drawings are more serious no no opposite really (laughs) yeah tell me all of this i i can't i i need to when i'm writing about something serious from my life i have to do with an amount of like levity and cartoonishness or Mm. else i just feel stupid i'm just like nope this is garbage i don't take myself this seriously it's just it's over serious Right, right right so all of the comics that are about my personal life, they're all just cartoons of me. Mm. Some of them are, are just, like, bubbleheads. Like, um, it's just easier. And, mm. it, and I think it makes it more accessible to other people who want to see themselves in it or who, who don't want to cry. They want to laugh, you know? Mm. Um, but... Yeah, the time when I use more realistic drawings, it's usually when I'm just doing kind of non sequitur or irreverent mm. single panel stuff and mm-hmm. yeah, stuff that's not really connected to any 
any real place. It's it's more just like your version of Bizarro or yeah, exactly, Farside or whatever. exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you collaborate with anybody, or are you kind of? I've done a couple of zines with friends where I I. Sometimes I get bored and we're having dinner and stuff, and I like to just be like, "Hey, let's just make a mini zine right now while we're while we're hanging out." Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll have them write it or tell me what to draw, panel by panel, um, and I'll make a little one-off thing, and I'll be like, "Cool, I'll make ten copies and give them to you, and you can just have them." <laughs> and I think that's fun. Uh, it's a nice way to make you know having a beer more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I also I teach. Uh, zine classes for kids, like mm. six through ten, mm-hmm. and so I end up collaborating with them a lot. In a way, they I give them specific projects to work on, and then I publish their zines. I brought them to Zine Fest a few years ago, and people were really into them. And so I consider that collaborations. Yeah, um, absolutely. Publishing their stuff. And Where do you teach kids about zines? Um, there's an elementary school that I work at called Citizens of the World. It's in Hollywood. It's kind of down over near all the studios. Okay. Um, and yeah, there's, I just have a. There's a they an have a whole class, class for zines. That's fucking awesome. That's great. <laughs> how, old are the, how old are the kids? They're six through ten. Shit. Yeah, it's really fun. That's so rad. The six year olds make dope zines. I hope that you scan those and put those online. I wouldn't feel. I don't know. I. I don't know if I have the kids' permission to do that. It's easy. You go, hey, Chester, can I put this on the internet? Because <laughs> adults will lose their shit over this. Um, I I have sold a lot of their zines in the past. Like, when I brought them to Zine Fest, like, all of them sold out of zines immediately. Mm. Um, and then they were fanning their dollar bills, being like, I'm rich, I'm rich! Because to an eight-year-old, like, $10 yeah, is, it's like, everything. Massive, yeah. Um, yeah, people love their stuff. I mean... Anytime kids, a kid does it, make like physically makes anything is cool because it's fucking hard as an adult and for it's a kid really to do it, hard. It's so cool. Well, it's so easy for them to do it. You just got to put the paper in front of them and you're like, draw something, and they're like, okay, and it's that is amazing mm-hmm. because they don't have that like we were talking about the wall, yeah, the filter. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have that ego problem mm-hmm. if you're teaching them right, right? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. which everything they draw, I'm just like, that's amazing. <laughs> Put it in the copier. We'll make twenty copies for everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, I love the kids' art, and it, it helps me. I mean, it's a collaboration because I look at their stuff and I'm like, "Oh, cool. Okay, I can draw something today." Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter. It's do gonna you be have, great. Do you have a regiment like that for yourself? Like, a, I'm gonna, I don't know, draw at least twenty minutes a day, or fuck it, I'm gonna make one page a day of. I don't oh know. man, I wish, I wish I did. I had a, I had a New Year's resolution like two years ago to draw every day, and it worked for a while. And I did an Inktober one year, and I don't have good, I don't have a good uh, drawing habit at mm. all. But I try to just keep paper near me, mm. so that if I get nervous, I have something to. Oh sure, sure put my energy into it's, it's interesting that it's kind of like a coping mechanism and like that for you because some people it's the opposite where they kind of like shut down whenever they're not like they create when they're comfortable and then does that make sense yeah yeah, yeah it's kind of the opposite for me i definitely have made some of my best art like after a big fight with someone i was dating or when i was really really sad and stressed that's when i'm just like okay i can just focus on this one thing cool I don't have to think about anything else. Great. Yeah, that's um, I, that's how it tends to work for me too. Yeah. Not necessarily. I'm just kind of a workaholic. So if it's like, <laughs> I wish I was a workaholic. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I've done like, I think 
today I, f- I hit page 225. Oh, my God. In, since June or July, whenever Comic-Con was. Um, so it's like 200-some-odd pages Dang. in, I don't know, six months, eight months, whatever that is. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah, you sound like a workaholic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm a little bit of a workaholic. Um, I don't think I've done anything 280 times since June. <laughs> You're like, I haven't even eaten 280 yeah, times. Yeah, I don't know. Like, have I brushed my teeth? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even have teeth anymore. They've all rotted out of my head, but I'm yeah. fine with it because yeah, I don't need whatever. them. That's I'll too draw many about teeth. It. No problem. Yeah. yeah. Too many teeth. Who needs Who needs 58 teeth or however many fucking teeth we have? Do we have 58 teeth? I think we have in the 60s, 50s, somewhere in there. That's a, that seems like a lot. Doesn't it? Yeah. I think we have like twenty five on the top and twenty five on the bottom, right? Every every tooth in my mouth has a filling in it. <laughs> I have terrible teeth. Oh no! Yeah, and I have dreams about them falling out all the time because guess what? Sometimes my teeth fall out. <laughs> like one time I bit into some peanut butter and my tooth just broke in half. <gasps> it was horrible. It was horrible. Which tooth? It was way in the back next to the uh, like where the wisdom teeth are. Oh my god, that's awful! I'm so sorry. <laughs> It happened twice. No! What? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I broke a tooth, and then I bit into it again, and I broke another tooth. No, it tooth. wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the same peanut butter. It was, like, five or, or six years later, but I, I broke one because it had just a, a horrible infection. That Why am I talking about this on a podcast? No, you absolutely I should. It had a, I should make a comic about it. Yeah. I had a horrible infection in my mouth. The dentist was like, you have an infection the size of a grape in your jaw, and I was oh like, Oh, my cool. God. It ate the nerve, so I didn't feel it rotting. And then it just broke off. That's terrifying. What if yeah, I have it was an infection awful. in my mouth? It was awful because I have anxiety dreams about my teeth breaking apart all the time. And yeah. then it happened in real life. Oh and, I, and I was like, my nightmares are literally coming true right now. It wasn't as bad as in the dreams, though. That's awful. Yeah. And then I want to say a year, a year and a half, two years ago, the same thing happened where a piece of my tooth just broke off in my mouth. No. And I went to the dentist and I was like, do I have a cavity? And he was like, actually, you don't. You just have a bitch-ass tooth? I was like, why did my tooth break in half? And he was, he literally was like, sometimes that just happens. Oh, no! No! <laughs> Fuck you, dentist! You're right? a bad dentist! Don't no, tell me a, that! He's a really good dentist. I guess it's true. Oh. I was like, could me clenching my jaw during the night from stress weaken my tooth so that it breaks apart? And he was like, yeah, definitely. I was like, that's probably what it is. <laughs> I clench my teeth a lot. I do, too. This bums me out. I'm I've been gonna... clenching them a lot more since the election. Yeah, me, too. I've had dreams, and I, I just wake up gnashing my teeth. Ugh. <sighs> it's terrible. Normally, they say that if you have dreams about your teeth falling out, it's a fear of instability. Like, there's a big life change that you're mm-hmm. going through or whatever. For you, it sounds like you're just terrified of your teeth falling out. Yeah, I just always have dreams about that. And nuclear bombs. And swarms of insects. Those are the big three. Mm, what yeah. are the swarms of insects? Um, it's because I had lice twice when I was a kid. Oh. And, and now I'm like, I have bug paranoia. Makes sense. Yeah. How did you get lice? A dog or a cat or something? Family pet? That's No, that's not how you get lice. Animals don't get lice. Really? Animals, they... ha- animals get fleas. Oh, fleas. Fleas. Yeah. You get lice from other kids at your school. Oh. I got it from my friend. She came to sleep over. She was scratching her head a lot. Fuck you, Next Betsy. Next day I had lice. <laughs> no, she, damn it. She, she's a nice girl. Yeah, fuck you, <laughs> fucking asshole. You give me lice, Betsy. You gave me lice. <laughs> she was nice. Yeah, that's Stockholm Syndrome. She wasn't like, she was not nice. She was very nice. We were, like, she was sleeping over at my house. We were good friends. We made, we made a, an X-Files zine together when we were, like, 10 years old. Oh! 
Copies of it. It was very limited run, but oh, uh, so exclusive. <laughs> it was very it was exclusive to the two of us. Yeah, so exclusive that we didn't each have one we could take home. So oh man, to, like, that's like the ultra collector's item. Yeah, I wish I still had it. I don't know what happened to it. Ah, oh, that's so rad. It was pretty cool. What was your X Files zine about? Just like was it just it was crappy just, drawings? Uh, it was yeah. It was a lot of fan art of aliens and things. And then uh, we had like cut up magazine. You know those sci fi magazines? Yeah, from yeah, the 90s. like uh, Cinefantastique. Exactly. Or, uh, like cut up pictures from that, put them in, put in uh, quotes and trivia that we'd made up, like, what's Mulder's apartment number? It's 42. Um, and yeah. And How many I'll- times does fucking Mulder get called for that by that sex line trying to fucking get a new credit card number? 69 times. <laughs> oh! Uh, he's a sex um, addict. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> You know, he brings he brings a little bit of truth into every character. Yeah. Did you watch Californication? Yes. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I, I found, it, it, I found it deeply personal. I know that it has this like cartoonish, insane kind of like we're on a sex and drug parade, like you know, um, satire to it. But I also found it deeply personal. I think it totally makes sense too. In that way that like. I don't know if you experienced this, but I think uh, I know I did, and I think a lot of people did. Where the the person that you're with in high school, you end up kind of like weirdly circling back to multiple times, either for emotional or literal physical needs. Like, are you talking about weird... David Duchovny as someone you circled back to? Oh, obviously. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? Oh yeah, no, I I just phone him up every Thursday, and I'm like, hey, let's do it. I need a little bit of him in my life. I feel like he's my shadow, like he's who I, I kind of Your would Jungian be. Your shadow? Yeah, like if, like, he's just the pure expression of my id, you know? Mm-hmm. Just drinking and fucking and writing bad stuff, and doesn't care, and everyone loves him. <sighs> I love, I, I like his character a lot in that, too, because there's this weird unspoken quality with Duchovny, where like you said, like he seems lovable, and even when he's like at his most fucked up, and that's a hard thing to pull off. It is. Like at a certain point, you either lose sympathy for someone, or you're like, just get your shit together. But yeah. He's so empathetic. And it's and- not just that he's devastatingly handsome. Like I don't care for Brad Pitt. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. there's something very lovable about him. For, he for seems me, like a kind soul. And also the fact that he seems like somebody who has real weaknesses. Yeah. And, also, and he's willing to talk about them yep. and address them yep. and make art about them. Yep. And I respect that. And he doesn't lie about it. No. Also, David Duchovny's acting weakness is that he cannot cry on command. Like, he just <laughs> cannot do it. And I don't know why people keep writing that for him, but, like, that episode of The X-Files where he finds... I forget if it's his mom's dying of cancer. Someone's dying of cancer, and he has to go to the hospital, and he's like... <laughs> Was it Scully? No, it's not that stuff. Okay. It's It's before that. Because it's before she, like, maybe gets kidnapped by aliens, maybe doesn't. She gets kidnapped by aliens pretty early on in the show. Isn't it season four? I thought thought it was, was like, two. Maybe it's season two. I don't know. You know what? I feel like it was later than that, but it might be. The nerds are going to come after me. Yeah, you and me me both. (laughs) (laughs) I know what episode it is. It's Dwayne Barry. I don't know what season Dwayne Barry is in. I don't either. I thought it was later, but I... Aristotle's (laughs) furiously Googling. Um... Maybe maybe it was when she got cancer. That was a very plausible idea. He was but very I, emotional during that time. <laughs> very emotional, but just kind of like wincing. He couldn't cry. That's why it was so great. Oh shit! 
It was two. I called that. You got. You got it. You got it. I for some reason I thought it was later, but good. Good. Turns good out, on you. Turns out I'm the nerd coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I like it. I like being corrected. There was something. Yeah, she got pregnant fast. Mm-hmm. She was like, mm-hmm. give me that maternity leave. What? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Which is crazy, because fucking Jillian Anderson was like 18 when they started she that show. She was 18. She was 23. What? I thought she was super young, no, like 18. 23 is young. Or, uh, super young, like 18. No. What? She's 23. Uh, my information. 23 or 22. Oh, He's oh. Like, <laughs> it's happening. For some reason, I look, this is just Dave is wrong about the X-Files day, but Maya, I, for some reason, I could swear in one of those behind-the-scenes things on the DVDs. They were like, yeah, and then she was like 18 when we started, and it was fucked 18. up. But, but the company was older than her. I think he was like 30, and she was like 23 years old. And, and yeah, she just, she just killed it. I fucking She's, murdered it. She played like a 30-year-old. Yeah. Like, really well. She's incredible. Fucking, fucking A. She's amazing. Yeah. I just want to be her friend, too. She seems like the coolest fucking human. She seems really cool. God. Neither one of us are ever going to have acting careers, because neither of us are as cool as David Duchovny or Jillian Anderson. I mean, I like to think that I'm as cool, but I just don't... <laughs> I know I that I'm not. I just don't have the ego to, like, make it happen for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> You've chosen to take yourself out of the race. Yeah. 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 How old was she? 24? You're holding up... Fucking He's got two six and four. fingers. That's twenty six. <laughs> two four. Twenty four. Two four. She was yeah. six years old. I was close. You were very close. You know who was not close? Me. <laughs> you know who apparently just doesn't like the X Files? Me. You can like the X Files and not have what an is obsessive the knowledge of y- it. Yux Files? Yux Dash Files? What? I'm not sure. Ugh. Is that a podcast? Yeah, no. What is the show? I've never seen it oh, before. Chris Carter? Files? Yeah. <laughs> Files? Chris Carter? I'm not familiar with his work. I've only, I've only seen Millennium. That's the only Chris <laughs> Carter show that I've seen. Then you've got it all. I've got it all, right? Yeah. What's his name? Bishop is in that show? Fucking. There's, there's one good episode of Millennium. I couldn't tell you anything about Millennium other there's than a, there's, there's an that episode, episode in that, season 10 or 9. There's an episode that Darren Morgan wrote that's about Scientologists, and it's great. This is sounding familiar to me. Yeah. Yes. Very funny. Um, Darren Morgan, if you're out there, love you. <laughs> What's up, girl? Yeah. What's up, Darren Morgan? Uh, they had, like, a X-Files-themed art gallery show at I Am 8-Bit last year, year before, and oh. I feel like... Watch, this is going to be me getting around again. <laughs> but Darren Morgan, and isn't his brother Glenn Morgan mm-hmm. one of the writers, yeah. too? Yes, they were both there. That's excellent. Because um, one of them wrote uh, Hugo, what's the It's the weird... Jose Chung's Ho- Jose Chung. Chung. That would yeah. be Darren Morgan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and That's I, maybe the best episode of the Yeah, episodes. it's amazing. Well, that and... And it's satire, and it's hilarious, but there's a lot of deep emotional shit in it, too. Uh, I also am a big fan of Home. That episode's yeah. fucking amazing and terrifying. No? Don't agree? You could disagree. Sure. You could disagree. Whatever. No? I just want to talk about Darren Morgan. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, he's great. He he's uses, great. He uses, uh, he names his aliens after Nabokov characters. I think yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah. He's and, a special guy. And also, the writing staff on that show was fucking great. Like, yeah. most of the humans. Except for Chris Carter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like Frank Spotnitz. Did you watch the new season? Whoa, speaking of xenophobia. I have only watched 
it, I think it was actually was it the Glenn Morgan or the Darren Morgan episode? Darren Morgan the, episode is oak is like is, that's the one, the like reverse werewolf yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. I stopped at that one. Good, um, good. It got worse than you can imagine. Really? Because the, the the retcons in the beginning of that were so bad that I was like, I don't know if I can continue. You can't like you can't imagine how bad it got. Okay. There is an episode that's just literally about Islamic terrorists. Mm. Mm. It's re- it's it's really bad. So it's that really it's, really xenophobic and terrible. Does that mean it's better or worse than the garbage dumpster fire that was? I want to believe. Um, it was worse. Wow, that's because that a lot. just like didn't have a good plot and w- like relied too heavily on uh, stuff that was really big in the news the year before. Mm-hmm. But like psychic priests and yeah. sewing dogs together. No, like priest molestation and yeah. stem cell research. It was like yeah. he just like pulled out a random newspaper from like two years prior and was like, "This was a script." Yeah. Um, but it wasn't offensive. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. There were parts of that that were pretty offensive to me, just in terms of like a cinema goer. <laughs> Right, but offensive to your sensibilities, sure. but not like to races of people. Absolutely, yeah. I'm mostly just talking about facetious. <laughs> right, like, right, right. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, the last season of me was pretty disappointing. See, now I kind of want to watch it out of like a perverse. How I mean, bad can this be? It was bad. I mean, those first was two really episodes bad. were so bad. Do you want me to just tell you about the episode? No, because I'll watch it eventually, and then I'll be like, oh, she was right. It's <laughs> fucking terrible. Like, wait till you get to the part where, like, Mulder goes on a mushroom trip in the middle of it. Oh, what? And they try to, like, somehow fit that in like it makes sense. Uh, it's, re- it's really... The episode where they talk about William for, like, two seconds was so bizarre. Like, hey, remember that time when we had a kid, and then we gave him up to protect him, and then when everything got okay, neither one of us cared enough to go find him. You can't go re-adopt your kid. But even so, like... He's gonna n- fuck him up. No, n- She's a doc. She's a medical doctor. But, but again, though... <laughs> she she's, oh, of course, stuff. yeah. She tells me every episode she's a medical doctor. But neither one of them, like, give a shit about the kid ever again. Like, it's never referenced until that episode where they're like, yeah, we had a kid once. That was fucked up. I mean, if you choose to give your kid away, you gotta let go. If that had been... Look, the, if I'm that just coming been... from it from, like, the perspective of, like, as a woman, if I were Scully and I really was like, I'm going to give up my kid for his own safety, you got to let go. Because if you go to try to find that kid, A, he's not safe anymore. B, that kid's going to have some emotional problems. If you show up and you're like, I'm your real mom and I had to give you away and these... To aliens and the aliens, government? You know, like, what? No. Don't mess up that kid for life. But if that's how it was presented, I would have been on board. But the episode wasn't that. The episode was just like, hey, remember? That was weird. I feel like weird. you gotta just, you gotta just believe that Scully is doing what's best. Like, cause... behind the scenes, despite what's displayed to us and written behind the scenes, headcanon, well, she's like a good person. <laughs> I mean, it was horribly executed, but I think she was just feeling some feelings, and yeah, you know, yeah. Tell me this in know. the in the latter half of that season, does Doggett show up at all? I honestly I don't remember because okay. so much nonsense happens. And it's like, <laughs> like cigarette smoking man is there. I'm like, I literally saw your head explode in the last episode. Yeah, like, you're like, not. What the fuck? You're not alive. Yeah, you see his skull. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the last I episode do. of X-Files? You see his skull engulfed in flames. Yeah. You can't, yeah, that's you can't some, come back that's from that. That's some Michael Myers 
some Michael Myers you fucking can't. Halloween 2 shit. He yeah. was full on Bondville and he had like a plastic face. It was weird. <laughs> it was really weird. That, you're almost selling me. <laughs> I'm almost into that. You know, I would I would watch the last episode. Well, you might as well just see them all. I I'm going to see like, them. There's not him. that many either, right? It's like no. six, ten. Thank God. Yeah. Fuck it. I, you know what? I honestly don't care. Like, I, they could literally be making, like, I'm trying to think of what the most offensive thing possible is. Like, maybe that's not true. I was going to say, like, they could be making X-Files blackface and I'd watch it. It's not true. I would not watch that. That sounds terrible. But, like, I love those characters so much that despite how they're used, I would probably follow them to the ends of the earth. Yeah, I mean... Like, this is a conversation that we have a lot in terms of separating the art from the artist. Um, Let's bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean... Bring it back to zines, because we... Yeah. No, like, in terms of, like, there are a lot of people who make comics who are not good people. That's true. Or who say... Maybe they are good people, but they say shitty stuff. I mm-hmm. would say, case in point, Frank Miller. That dude makes some R. fucking... R. Crumb. is fucking awful. Yeah, I don't like Frank Miller either. But, you know, really? I, don't, I don't really read Frank... Oh, uh, I read... I, I like one Frank Miller comic. I love Give Me Liberty. Yeah, that's the one. I love that's Give Me the, Liberty. That's the one. I love Hard Boiled. <sighs> I haven't read that one. I love his Daredevil stuff, some of his Batman stuff. Um, I don't know. Electra Assassin is one of the best books mm-hmm. ever, I would say. But he makes crazy-ass statements and, like, literally made a book that's, like you just said, like Islamophobia propaganda. Mm-hmm. And where does the... Where does your love for the who the person used to be stop mm. and your acceptance of who they are now start? Mm. Like, I can't watch. I don't. I mean, I don't think you you need to, like, appreciate or, or who someone is if they're racist and shitty. You can just be to like... To a degree, I absolutely agree. You can just agree. be like, wow, this person changed. People change. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't watch any Mel Gibson movie. But yeah. that being said... Mad Max is like my favorite film ever. Um, but I yeah. won't. But Maverick. It, yeah, Maverick is great. Yeah, the T. I love the old TV show too. Yeah, Maverick's fucking great. Um, fucking conspiracy yeah, but theory. He's, he's awful. Yeah, he's a terrible, terrible human. Yeah. Well, I don't watch his new stuff. Yeah, me neither. Um, Woody Allen's a great example. Oof. He's probably like the example, right? Yeah. In terms of, <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> in, in public pedophile that everyone just acknowledges. Either I would say either he's the example or Brian Singer. Well, and the one that is the hardest to not like his art. Because a lot of his art is just so good that you're just like, oh, I wish I didn't like it. I want to hate it. Mm-hmm. I want to hate it so bad. But you can't. Brian Singer is an interesting example, though, because I feel like that is not there. People don't love him unconditionally, but they have so much invested emotional connection to the X-Men mm-hmm. that when Brian Singer is helmed is helming another X-Men movie they go see it even though they know that he's a straight up pedophile mm-hmm. they don't really like the work and they don't want to support Brian Singer or the work but they do it out of emotional connection to the X-Men which is a very strange circle of like he keeps not being put in prison because his movies make too much money and these movies make too much money, not because of necessarily the quality of those movies, but because of people's connection to the movie, yeah. which is a weird ass. Just like Trump. What the fuck? <laughs> Brian Singer's the Trump of X-Men. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so fucking weird. So fucking weird. I don't know. I've got nothing. I mean. 
What do you connect I'd with? I'd like to be like, I don't go to see Woody Allen movies anymore, but I went to see what was the one with um, Kate Blanchett. I don't know. I haven't watched a movie. His that was the only years. one I went to go see, and you know what? It was really good. Mm. I can't remember what it's called. Lou oh. Jasmine? Oh, I didn't even know she was in that, yeah. I kind of, at this point, I've like, I don't let myself learn anything about his yeah. movies so that I won't go see them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't regret seeing the movie. It was a good movie. I wish I hadn't given him money. I don't. I, yeah. I don't go to see. I don't see Tom Cruise movies anymore. Really? All his money goes to Scientology. Mm. Yeah. I have no idea how that dude resurrected his career. Uh, Scientology. Yeah, it. They're the mafia. Yeah, but even so, like Scientology wasn't able to save Travolta. Like that well, dude's off in weirdo crazy land because of. People liked Tom Cruise. People liked <laughs> Javolta. People really like Tom Cruise, though. You think so? You think they're they're not the yeah. same? Yeah, I don't. Well, yeah, I don't think they're. I don't think. Um, I don't think Travolta has that same kind of obsessive, like. Uh, it's like it's like a Mel Gibson thing. This kind of like so a list that you're. Literally a shining star. Mm-hmm. People don't think you're real. Mm-hmm. They're think... like, your penis is made of gold. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, or like the, it's like this untouchable quality, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think Travolta has that. I think Tom Cruise has that weird untouchableness to I would, him. I would agree with that, yeah. That people just take for granted. They just, which is weird because he's so short. Mm-hmm. He's got yeah. like a T. Te- but here's the other thing is that I think Tom Cruise. Maybe is just smarter about his uh, his press and how he's portrayed in the media, and I think he has a really good team of people looking out for him and his career. And I think maybe Travolta just didn't get mm. it together like that. That's a good point. Yeah, I think there's a team of people behind Tom Cruise's success. I mean, there has to be, especially after this rebirth. Like yeah. that dude basically got banned from every studio, and then somehow was like, "Fuck it, I'm a star again." And like kidnapped a lady and had a baby with her and then she ran away. I know. It's fucking nuts, man. Yeah. I mean, I I try to be somewhat forgiving not of <laughs> not specifically of kidnapping humans and having babies with them, but of Scientology in general just because I feel like all religions are fucking nuts. Yeah, they are, but and I mean, here's the thing, it's like, you know, you, you don't you you don't want to hate all Americans just because Trump is awful. It's like, I don't hate Scientologists. I don't have a problem with people who get sucked into that. But the yeah, their the shit's system crazy. itself is like really, like there's bad shit going down. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, same with the Catholic Church, though. That's the example that yeah. I always give is that like people treat Scientology like it's something else. And they're like, yeah, but it's not a real but religion. Here's, but here's who the, the fuck no, cares? But here's the thing: is that like at least at least the Catholic Church, like the majority of Catholics, ha- like are out there doing good things and doing charity work. And there's nuns doing nice things for people. And there's community gardens. And there's like a lot of the basis of their religion is like doing good and helping others and homeless shelters and you know community and blah blah blah. Scientology doesn't have that. I would say. They don't, there's that no, it's like, like narrative uh, dissolution almost, where it's like you start with a prime story, which is like 
those people that you're talking about who are real Catholics with a capital C, and maybe they do some shady shit, maybe they don't, looking at you, the Crusades. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as it kind of exists over time and becomes more, uh, you know, dispersed in society, it kind of uh, gets diluted, Mm -hmm. and then people are Catholics with a lowercase c, and then they're, like, culturally Catholic, and Mm -hmm. then they're whatever. But, But I mean, like, a huge part of being, like, Catholic and Christian is is like doing social services and social work and theoretically and, yes yeah but 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 if you if you look at like churches around town they have that kind of stuff going absolutely. on absolutely you look at Church of Scientology they're not doing that no they're not they're not helping the community I've also just because it's such a young religion I've never met someone who's culturally Scientologist or casually no Scientologist. because the culture is bonkers then again all religions started that way though right but. Yeah, the other thing is the whole, like, um, I don't know any Catholics who won't talk to me because they're Catholic and I'm not. Mm, Interesting. like, you know, the Catholic Church doesn't tell you to disown family members when they don't believe in Jesus. Now, though. Well, now. now. Yeah, now. There's a lot of things that happened in the past that don't happen now. Mm -hmm. Um. And there's a lot more wiggle room. Yeah, that's true. You know, for for finding yourself, you can you can move about Catholicism in, in various ways and, and find your own place there and, and celebrate in your own ways. Not so much with Scientology. You're kind of in or out, it yeah. feels like. Yeah, yeah, which is, again, weird. There's no casual Scientologist. It's just you are or you aren't, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I guess know. I don't maybe know. Maybe there are casual scientists. See, that's the thing. I'm sure that there are because everyone's story is yeah, unique. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I know some families who are Scientologists, and they're not creepy. Hmm. Some of them are though, <laughs> but some of them are not. Hmm. I don't know how they. But the, how? What does it really mean to be a Scientologist aside from like just giving them money? You believe in Xenu and Thetans and you go to cleansing ceremonies. You go to and cleansing ceremonies and stuff, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they believe that, like, an alien put sorrow in all of us, in, which take place in the form of Thetans, and then you, expo- you ex- uh, extract those Thetans through therapy and, uh, you know, religious ceremonies mm-hmm. and... In the same way that it's like, uh, you're born into original sin. I don't know what voice that is. It was just me making it. <laughs> uh, life's hard. Yeah. Um, you're born into original sin. You need to, you know, do good works and you'll get into heaven. It's the same thing where it's like Xenu will, you'll reach another stage of enlightenment once all the thetans have been extracted from you. Yeah. And then they record all of your therapy sessions and blackmail you into doing things, which yeah. is terrifying. Yeah. Um, and now, like, a dead cat is going to show up on my doorstep because there's some Scientologists. It's like, you're shit-talking us. Ooh, we can cut it out of the, <laughs> of the podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. I love Scientology. Scientology is great, guys. <laughs> um, do you have any uh, projects or shows that you're going to be tabling at or projects you're working on right now? That I want to plug? Mm-hmm. Nope. Uh, <laughs> I, let me think about it for a second. You're not working on drawing nothing? I'm always drawing, but I don't have anything imminent that I need right. to plug to people. Sure. They can go to my Etsy store if they want. And Fuck like yeah. What's buy your... something. It's bogus press. Shit yeah. Shit yeah. I hope um, your logo is um, 
fucking Bill and Ted. It's a horse smoking a cigarette. That's so much better than my idea. It's a nod (laughs) to Gulliver's Travels, because I like when people are just like, I'm sad, I have to write about how much I hate people. (laughs) Um, I wish it was a drawing of Bill and Ted, it's not. Is Bill and Ted still a touchdown for you? Absolutely, 100%. It's, yeah. Have you seen uh, Alex Winter's movie Freaked? No. You will love this. Okay. If you like Bill and Ted, you will love this. Well, the reason I like Bill and Ted, though, is because of its just earnest positivity and just, like, hope for the future. That, like, maybe if we just all chill out and listen to some good music... And be excellent and to each other. Get, and just be excellent to each other, we can just keep partying on, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love their vision of the future, <laughs> and it seems really genuine, and they're uh, just about being kind uh, uh, and rocking out. Freaked is about a like young, I think he's a studio executive, who's going to go down into South America and uh, strip, like def- uh, deforest an area of the Amazon to build a studio or something, and he ends up his car ends up breaking down and he ends up getting pulled into a freak show and he they put acid on him and like turn him into a half monster so Alex Winter co-wrote co-directed and stars in the movie as this shitty studio executive who's half studio executive half like weird lizard frog man monster oh my god that sounds amazing and his the makeup's amazing because his mouth is permanently open so like all of Alex Winter's dialogue is like this because there's like a giant fake mouth oh on the side God. of his mouth. It's so cool. And Randy oh, Quaid wow. is the evil scientist. Oh, Mr. Love Randy T. Quaid. Mr. T is the bearded lady. What? Mr. Fucking T is the bearded lady. And Keanu Reeves is in it for one scene as a teenage milkman werewolf. And he's uncredited. All right, All right. I'm going to rent this. It's super, super good. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah. And it was a huge failure. And they why? It's, it's <laughs> like one of my favorite movies. It's, it's so good and so funny and so fucking weird. And it, I can't believe that it's not like this weird cult movie. Like it's wall to wall practical effects, giant monsters. That sounds weird amazing. Freak show. It's awesome. The plot sounds amazing too. <laughs> the, I'm down the, the with The plot that. is amazing by itself, and then there's the execution of the plot, which is like the best possible version of that wow. story. Because it was made for like thirty, forty million dollars, so it's not like they just like strung shit together yeah. and were like we're gonna. It's a weird freak show. Like they made monsters. It's fucking amazing. Oh, man. There's a dude who's a one of the freak show guys who's just a guy in a scuba suit named Scuba Steve. <laughs> it's amazing. I, it's, this is a genius. This is genius. Do you ever dress as him for Halloween? I should. I should. Next year, Scuba Steve. Just do a name tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah for real. <laughs> Watch, someone's going to yell at me and be like, his name wasn't Steve, it was Scuba Joe. Oh. Because apparently this is the podcast where I just get everything wrong. Uh. <laughs> Nah. Um, so what's the URL for your, uh, your Etsy? <laughs> I completely forgot what that thing it's was just, called. It's just, uh, it's just bogus press, one word. Okay. People can find that, probably. Do it. It's same, my Instagram, my Twitter, all of that. All of my... All the, you have Social media branding. plugs! Yes! Yeah. Uh, now you're, you're officially, um, cross-branded. You're ready to go. I'm ready to go. You're ready to take over the world. <laughs> I, have I don't want to take over the world, you know? I'm not interested in power. <laughs> I 
I uh, found that it it uh, corrupts, corrupts people. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I've never heard that before. I'll look into that. In the meantime, <laughs> I'm gonna be over here taking the fuck over. <laughs> I wish you good luck. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Baker. If you'd like to find more of my comics at zines, you can find them at heydavebaker.com or you can find my webcomic at theactionhospital.com. Find me on Instagram at xdavebakerx. Same on Twitter. And uh, come find me on the Facebooks. Just Dave Baker. Uh, if you'd like to find the show, it's at MeltComics.com, uh, and it's obviously named, it's pronounced Zine. <laughs>